Hello and welcome to another episode of the UK Airshow Review Podcast, the podcast that we started because we didn't have any airshows to review. My name is Ian Garfield, known as ENG, and with me today are Dominic Vickery and Tom Vickery on the forum, Sam Wise and Wissam24 on the forum. So, a few days ago on the 14th of June, it would have been the 2020 RAF Cosford Airshow, again the only official Royal Air Force Airshow of the year. Amongst the initial participants announced were the Swiss PC-7 team. Formed in 1989, they are of course no stranger to air displays in the UK. They've been a regular attendee at the Royal International Air Tattoo, but have also flown other venues across the country over the years, including Waddington, East Fortune, Cosford and most recently last year at Sunderland. Their performance on their debut at Cosford three years ago, however, earned them the Hartree Memorial Trophy for their best flying display, so it was with some eager anticipation that we awaited the return of the team to the display lineup this year, their exhilarating and elegant flying display demonstrating Swiss precision at its best. So, we had planned to catch up with the team this year and interview the crew for a UCAR feature piece, but sadly we know how the rest of this story goes. However, all is not lost, and I'm delighted to welcome Major Cyril Jonah, leader and Turbo One with the team as our special guest on the podcast this week. So welcome. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, it's been great to finally get uh, an interview with you. As I say, we did try and arrange something, but coronavirus has put paid to all that. So thanks for taking the time out. Um, can you just give us some history into the team itself? Absolutely. Yeah, pleasure to uh, meet you uh, via Zoom. So for this uh, podcast, and so uh, the PCM team was founded in 1989, as you correctly said, um, with the nine pilotus PC7 flying. And then actually, um, for me personally, I joined the team on 2011. Joined the team first as the group of three, so the uh, left inner wing uh, for two seasons. Then I joined uh, or took the outer wing, the left outer wing, as Turbo Cinque, as we call it, for four more years. And then in uh, spring 2017, I took over as the leader. So um, uh, for the last years, I uh, have been flying as the leader. And actually for this season, we were scheduled to fly in, uh, with the same personnel as in last year. So we're really looking forward to polish up our uh, figures and display program. And as we all know, it uh, turned out otherwise. Yeah. Um, what are the impacts has coronavirus had uh, in terms of currency and anything else like practicing and, and that sort of thing? In terms of uh, currency, we have uh, like a currency limit of 12 weeks on the PC7. So every pilot was just scheduled to keep uh, his currency alive, as we call it. But then when, as we uh, didn't have the chance to fly as a formation, a nine ship formation. So the last flight that we have was actually in uh, February where we were flying Switzerland oh, for right. uh, that was in Cromontana actually for the ski world cup and so uh, that was our last uh, display that we had uh, chance to, to be flying and the Swiss Air Force has presumably been affected quite badly by lockdown in that case um, actually we had like uh, also in uh, mid-march there was uh, the lockdown started and then the uh, decision of high command was also to just fly whatever was needed to keep the licenses so also in terms of uh, f-18 and to just keep our uh, main tasks alive so air policing and air defense missions to a very minimum so as all the pc-17 pilots are also active uh, f-18 pilots so the basic or the primary task was just to keep the license um, F-18 alive 
and to just have a regular flight so that the PC7 license is also valid. Okay. I've got to ask the question, because obviously you fly the F-18 as well. Which one do you prefer to fly, <laughs> F-18 or PC-7? <laughs> it's just completely different. Of course, on the F-18, we do like the, the air defense mission, air policing missions. Actually, just today, I had the chance to fly two uh, air policing missions because of the bad weather schedule. But we were uh, for air defense one and one air policing. So it turned out to be two air policing missions, but it's completely different. Also, of course, if we fly in the jet, then we normally fly on, on a team, but normally it's a two-ship flight or a four-ship flight. And then on the PC-7 team, of course, with the nine aircraft, it changes completely. Everybody has got to, to follow his task. And uh, I would say it's completely different, so you cannot compare. I, uh, I love both. In doing a bit of research for this, I was trying to find um, some information about what it's like to fly the, the PC-7. And there's lots of different things in all sorts of articles about sort of manual controls and and not that how difficult it is to fly, but there's an awful awful lot to do. What is it like to fly uh, PC7 going from F18, and what what does it handle like as a flying display airframe? As you correctly said, the PC7 is still you feel the controls. It's not fly by wire, but you actually have still the wire, so no computer within that uh, or between um, the pilot and the control surfaces so actually if you fly the pc7 to you feel the uh, the, the structure and the, the pressure on the airframe so the faster you go of course um, the more the stronger it feels on the stick and then of course what's also different is every movement in power that you make makes a great difference for the yaw so flying the PC-7, you always have to use your feet. That also makes it uh, more comfortable to fly in, in a close formation. Whereas flying on the F-18, you have to fly by wire, you have the computers helping you. And so I'd say it's more archaic, it's more natural flying on the PC-7. So if you say it's more natural flying, but does that bring with it uh, sort of a more challenging aspect to display flying? Or does that actually make it easier? No, I would say it makes it more challenging, especially because the PC-7 is not so powerful. If it's 550 uh, horsepower, so as we go into a turn, especially in the wide formations, then as a leader you have to reduce a lot, and the exterior wing he has to go uh, at full power. So it makes a lot of difference on the uh, on the torque, on the power, and therefore the uh, the outer wings, especially, they have to uh, work a lot with the uh, the yaw moments or with their feet. So I would say in this respect, it's definitely more more challenging flying the PC-7. The PC-7s were upgraded not so long ago, weren't they? Um, do you know how long that you're going, they're going to remain in service for? They went into service with the Swiss Air Force. It was actually as well, most my age, so 1983. And then we had the, like a new structure or the glass cockpit where we also had the new painting then in the Swiss National Colors. That was in 2008. And so right. now we are pretty happy with the glass cockpit as we can uh, use them for basic training, VFR, IFR, day and night. So every Air Force pilot of the Swiss Air Force has run through his career on the PC-7. And how long do you anticipate the PC-7 remaining in service for? Hopefully for another 30 years, but we'll see. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, but now, of course, the airframe is still in a very good shape. The cockpit, of course, as well. Um, depending on the aircraft, um, they some of them they already have 5,000 hours or more. 
So we'll see what's happening. And also um, talking of the fleet, it's also interesting of the 27 PC-7 that the Swiss Air Force owns still. The PC-7 team always get attributed like 10 aircraft, so nine plus a spare, a spare one, and they always change. So out of the 27 that we still have, seven have like a hardware type, a uh, smoke generating system. But other than that, it's just out of uh, fleet uh, requirement and steering. So they attribute um, the aircraft that we actually then have. So it's always that we don't have our own machines, let's say, on the PC-7. Um, and I, actually, the, given that you all have other roles in the Swiss Air Force at the same time and you aren't sort of exclusively dedicated to the PC-7 team, how do you find that b balancing those roles in your day-to-day -day work? Yeah, I would say it makes it, of course, very challenging, but also very interesting. If we have a look at the, this week, for example, we would have been um, returned from the UK and then just um, uh, on Monday, the return, Tuesday, a day off normally, Wednesday already getting prepared for the next show and then Thursday off again. So Wednesday would have been my own flying day on F-18 if the season was going at, the, at full speed. So during these uh, peak uh, periods, of course, it's, it makes it challenging just to, to uh, switch from F-18 to PC-7 and the F-18 again. But then, of course, especially from uh, the end of the season, from October until March normally, then we're completely dedicated to F-18 flying. Okay. Normally this, for me personally, makes it very uh, interesting to switch, um, but also challenging, but in a good way. So you always uh, have a good arousal there and you know which uh, mission or which, which hat that you're actually wearing right now. How many, how many displays do you take part in throughout an average season? Yeah, normally we have like 15 within Switzerland and three to four abroad. So this season we were scheduled to have four abroad. So Malaga in Spain, Riga, Norway, then of course Cosford in the UK and then Bray in Ireland as well. And the 15 within Switzerland, they're all um, distributed all over Switzerland. So in the southern Italian speaking part, then mainly in the German speaking parts of northern Switzerland, but also in the western parts of French speaking uh, Switzerland. And that also makes it interesting for the speakers because there they have to uh, switch. <laughs> It's always a great challenge for them as well. Talking of going overseas, obviously it's quite a logistical challenge getting everything ready. What sort of planning goes into an operation like that? For us, the, the basic uh, operation starts with just an overview, where to go, how um, large is the journey that we have to do, the legs. Mm -hmm. Normally on the PC-7, we fly at uh, 180 knots cruising speed. So it makes it 180 uh, miles for an hour. Then we plan maybe to fly one and, a, one and a half hours then to have a fuel stop there. So we see how many legs uh, we have to do. And then normally coming to Cosford, there would be one fuel stop for us. And then of course we prefer normally the places where we already have landed once. So for France, for example, or coming to the UK, we would have to go uh, fueling in Northern France. We have a, a small airport that we already have some, some good experience there and then we would of course our dispatch would ask them 
for availability for just the, the space, parking space, but also fuel. And then once we have that, then of course it also comes for uh, the logistic dispatch. But um, as we have, for example, for uh, the PC7s, we have normally we have one mechanic flying with a uh, uh, transporter aircraft in advance. And then actually on the team with the nine plus the spare aircraft, so in the 10 ship formation, we then take four mechanics with us. So all in all, I think very slim, five mechanics, logistics, normally it's two containers, where, um, which are driven in advance then to a place that we're displaying. So that's all about it. So it's not too large of equipment. If if you, uh, I mean, you, perhaps you could explain if you know the, the uh, process that goes into choosing which international displays you would do in a season. But if you end up that you'll be going to a, a venue that you've not been before, what would be the process in working out the logistical efforts to reach there? Actually, I have to say that uh, within Europe, the logistical, logistical process wouldn't be too, uh, too great because um, normally we have just the jet fuel that we have to have, maybe some oxygen to refuel if we have to go IFR and then of course for the uh, diplomatic clearances is normally also dispatch taken care of but within Switzerland or within Europe I have to say then the lo uh, logistical uh, effort would be yeah maybe like half a day for the dispatch and then of course also for, for our flight planning maybe another half a day okay and do you think you would go further afield perhaps perhaps do a tour of North America for instance <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were uh, also already hoping to do this, but of course, on the PC-70, you would have to transport them by transport aircraft. And uh, okay. for our high command, it's, it's really it's the, the focus on uh, partner countries within Europe that we can go to. And also, if we had, for example, the uh, Air 14 in 2014, the big air show we in Switzerland, we're also uh, very happy and glad that the all the, the major European display teams came to display there to, to have a good atmosphere for all the spectators. But normally it's, it's, uh, it's more like a process within Switzerland and also I think it's for the PC7. If you have a look at the, the destination, which is uh, furthest away, it was actually Tel Aviv in, in Israel. Once that was before my time, but uh, that was uh, the furthest mm -hmm. away that the PC7 team was displaying. What's been, in your time in the team, what's been your favourite location that you've displayed at? Of course, Cosford and Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, uh, flying to uh, to UK always makes it very challenging for us because also if you, if the weather is fair and there we talk maybe for a cloud base of 2,000 feet, we can already, or even 1,500, we can go uh, near far and then we go in a 10 ship formation and if you have the chance to cross the channel in a 10 ship formation, um, and then you arrive and see the, uh, the island on the other side of the channel, of course, that, uh, that's a very special feeling. And I'm looking forward to that. Then other than that, if you, if you can go south, for example, also Malta, a very beautiful islands, overflight there, flying along the coast of uh, Italy, um, crossing the uh, the volcano of Stromboli, that's also it's it's a very unique, uh, very unique experience. 
But all in all, is if we have the chance to go VFR, it's a good training for us to do some uh, navigation flight um, in the 10G formation. And that, that's, of course, that's, that's the most special feeling that you can have. Is there anywhere that you haven't been that you would like to go or any, any plans that haven't happened where you've wanted to go in the past but for some reason haven't? Yeah, if we have a look uh, into uh, our maybe chronicles, then of course Ireland, that would have been a premiere. So would, uh, very, uh, uh, or have been looking to go forward to go there. Also Portugal, we haven't been there so far. Um, so that would be two of my uh, also favorite destinations. Um, other than that, uh, in Eastern Europe, we had the chance to go to Bulgaria, to Slovakia, to Slovakia. Um, Poland would also be uh, very interesting to go there once. So all in all, just it's always a big privilege. So we take whatever comes. Mm. And looking a little bit closer to home now, What's it like flying and training and obviously displaying in the Alps? It's very interesting. As you see, I have in the background of the uh, relief of, the, uh, of Switzerland here. So talking about a, uh, a display last summer, that was a display in uh, Central Alps. Uh, it's called, um, actually, just to check, that was uh, St. Stefan. So that was a military airbase uh, just spilled close to the mountains and the problem there is that once you approach a crowd you don't have actually a very long um, um, approach to towards the crowd so we're talking maybe there the uh, St. Stephen itself is a 2200 feet high not so high itself but the mountains just maybe two kilometers towards the east are already like 7000 feet so as you can see, you cannot approach, it's not flatlands. So there you have to have a good plan on which axis to actually approach. And then on the day itself, it's very uh, important that you have a, a weather update and you actually know where the clouds are, if there are any. So that makes it very interesting. Um, sometimes if the, the airfield or the display area is very mountainous, then, um, of course, uh, first check on uh, the maps, also using Google Earth, if, if I have to. And then maybe I'll just take a PC7 myself as a leader to go actually there to see the display site and to train for myself the, uh, the program to see. Maybe if the also, if the weather isn't too fair, then also go and uh, have, a, have a look at the, in the simulator. That's a possibility as well. So does that mean when you display in Switzerland, you end up doing almost quite a lot of unique displays because everywhere will have different topography you have to take into account. Right, we have like this uh, build-up program style. So we have the, the fair weather display, the medium weather, we have a bad weather. And also within that, we have some, some like parts that we can use. And then um, in between the parts, maybe we have to adapt the program just to place it um, perfectly within the spectator or in front of the spectators itself. When you're displaying in, in a mountainous area, do you actually get the opportunity to, to, to look and appreciate your, your surroundings or are you just too busy concentrating on? Yeah. <laughs> no, I think as, as a leader, of course, it's very important that I, I keep the, the surroundings within view, especially also the cables I have to check in advance, of course, then in the air. 
then the mountain, uh, the mountain, the uh, also the, the weather can change very quickly. So as a leader, especially of course, I pay uh, close attention to the surroundings. And I mean, it's beautiful if you can display, especially also as we did in February in uh, Grand Montana, then you have the uh, the Alps with the fresh snow, the ski slopes, and uh, that makes it also for the eye, it makes it very different depending also on uh, where the sun actually is. Whether you have uh, uh, the light in the back or just the sun staying up very high, so it makes it uh, very different. Yeah, it's funny if we see pictures on Twitter or Facebook of the red arrows or something that are doing practices in February or March, and there's photos of just flat fields and things, and then look at your pictures from Switzerland with you know the Alps and everything in the background. Mm-hmm. Just no comparison at all, is there? Yeah, of course, it's also, I would say, a, a way of uh, PR or just marketing because there you can show also the world how, how beautiful the landscape is in Switzerland. And it's also, I mean, if you can uh, support like a, a, a ski world cup with uh, an air show, then I think the benefit is even greater. Well, that's quite an interesting point, actually, because one thing that certainly a lot of aviation enthusiasts will probably be aware of is the fact that display teams act as an as an ambassadorial role for their country. Um, and I was wondering if you could maybe explain, certainly as a team leader, what that involves, how conscious you are of the fact that that's your role as you're doing it. Um, and, I mean, do you get given particular training as team leaders and as, as members of the team in that in that role? Yeah, I definitely agree that uh, we are ambassadors within Switzerland, but especially abroad. And uh, I think we take that very seriously. Um, I would say for us, it's, it's, it's important to have just to maybe to speak the language, especially to the places where we go. That's also where now I have a chance to, to practice my English, of course. <laughs> then as a Swiss, then you already have a bit of advantage that uh, if you go south, you know, maybe also in pilot school, you, you have like three quarters of the year you spend in southern Switzerland. The, maybe not yourself, but the surrounding is talking Italian. Then we also have uh, Bayern, one of our bases in the uh, French-speaking part of Switzerland. So I think language is very important. And then, of course, it's just, uh, yeah, I would say, the uh, military um, way of uh, going somewhere and uh, giving respect to the people and just honoring what they are doing and being proud of what, what we are able to do. And I think that that uh, fits quite well with this ambassadorial role then. Okay, so if we look at the displays itself then, uh, as I say, looking, doing a bit of research, a couple of words that crop up all the time is Swiss precision on everything that anybody reviews those two words always appear obviously the formations are are very tight and we've been very impressed with what we've seen over the years how much work does go into making the displays as precise as they are yeah I would say of course it's 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 well known the Swiss precision though that's why we're also uh, pretty strict on doing that but of course, it's all about, in the, in the beginning, it's about flight safety. So we, if we have also a new figure, for example, then we first sit together, we discuss what we can do. Of course, it's also limited. 
once with the nine aircraft then especially in terms of power we're not unlimited there and then we start maybe to to uh, take some notes to draw it and then the next step would actually be that's also how we start our training course always in spring that we actually march the program so everyone can see who is next to me especially during uh, the uh, changes of formation um, that's very interesting and just talking now of corona crisis what we did because we couldn't do the uh, proper training course so we ordered uh, or just we organized nine bikes <laughs> we wrote our bikes and, um, for the program so because there you can uh, very closely have a look at the development also sort of timing when is uh, number uh, formation one to four in front of the crowd uh, where are the holdings of the of the other uh, sub formations and that i think it's very important and then once you have started with this then of course you go uh, in into the air and then you start with a higher uh, minimum altitude that you do maybe also some wider formation and then you just work yourself down to the normal display altitude and then we always get our corrections we got the debrief on the video um, so we can always get uh, better so that's that's what we focus then to to uh, to always get better when do you start actually planning or training for your seasons you mentioned earlier it runs from march to october when do you actually start your your training actually um I have to correct normally the training course is in beginning of april so april and then in may the season starts normally um so um, depending on personnel changes we start maybe on march with an introductory training course so then the leader just starts with the new guys who have one week of uh, preparation so we start off as i said discussing the program and then actually flying parts of, of that so once we get early april uh, april we get together all the nine aircraft we already have a good feeling that also the the new guys which normally starts uh, close to the leader that's i think opposite to what the redners do um that they already know and when the outer wings come uh, into play they know that the inner wings they know to how how to properly um, hold their positions what's your turnover in a in a season how many new members will you have will you bring in at the start of a season and what's the process for selecting new members i'd say the normal turnover is like a 1.5 pilot so um normal display or normal time that you stay on the team it's like six years and the process is that uh, we go through the list of all the qualified f-18 pilots that we have a look and then we just start first round with the existing team members everybody is allowed just just uh, um, maybe erase some people with the uh, let's say measure that we say once when this guy comes or joins the team actually I wouldn't feel comfortable so that's the first round that we just trace out the, the, the names that maybe the existing team members they're not so comfortable with and then on the existing or the remaining ones then we can we go through the candidates and we just discuss our experience that we already have in terms of flying but also especially in terms of uh, social behavior 
and then at the end we um, do a voting like the Swiss always do <laughs> a voting and then we have uh, the list of people and then we just start at the top uh, to ask them whether they uh, want to join the team interesting process then <laughs> very interesting and maybe also interesting in this respect is that we also have the privilege of uh, choosing our commander ourselves so the, this, uh, the, the actual team members they sit together if we have the need of a new commander then we also of course uh, we have to discuss in terms of flying of course not but in terms of social um, um, who would be our preferential commander and once we have uh, made our choice then we ask high command whether they can uh, live with this decision and then of course <laughs> also ask the new uh, designated commander whether he wants to uh, take part in the Swiss Air Force pieces. Okay. So if you're asking candidates to join the team, how many declines or how many people decline, if any? It's very rare, yeah. Normally I haven't, I haven't seen any so far. Yeah. Okay. Are uh, pilots quite ambitious? Uh, they, I presume they want to, they, they want to aspire to join the uh, display teams. So I, I presume it, there's quite a bit of competition. Yeah, of course there there is competition, but in a good way because Swiss Air Force is rather uh, small, so everybody knows everybody, and there is no room for let's say egoistical behavior. So we would also wouldn't appreciate that. So I think mm. that thing is just natural or being natural and then of course you have to be in the right spot in the right place like every minute but i'd say it's really it's as the yeah uh, going getting along within the air force pilots really uh, easy going and uh, um, with a good spirit yeah obviously there are lots and lots of display teams that we have at air shows um some routines suit some aircraft more than others do you look at other display teams and take, shall I say, inspiration or think that's a nice manoeuvre? I wonder how we can fit that in or maybe we can try that. I don't want to say steal ideas, but I'll say inspiration. It sounds better. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, that's also a, uh, a great uh, advantage of going abroad, benchmarking with the uh, the great teams like the Red Arrows, Autre de France, Frecce Trigolori, or... Um, um, yeah, all this, but it's, uh, I would say it's like also there, like a natural competition. In the end, it's all about flight safety. And we know as a Swiss display team that we are not a full-time display team. So we respect that. We try to do some uh, figures which are um, attractive um, from the point of view of spectators, but still are safe and that we can live with the fact of being a non-full-time uh, display team. So, of course, if we also, especially as a leader, but with uh, all the guys, we have a look at uh, all the displays and uh, we see what is uh, feasible with the PC-7. And if we see something nice and if we have the personnel capabilities to do so, then uh, we also uh, were willing to, to learn from others for sure. One thing that that has stood out to me when I've seen the team display is that the commentary will say that it's a a 
gentler display than say some of the jet teams um, and it's just interesting to note that it's something that you're obviously aware of and and know that you bring that to a display and to a to a, a, an air show um, which I've always found very interesting yeah thank you no it's for us it's 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 really we want to give the spectators like the 4d experience we talk normally so the 3d maneuvers that you see and the fourth dimension would say it's like commentary but also the music if you have a look at the or if you listen to the music of the dc-17 it should strike you that it's something different it's of course already the sound of the nine pilatus aircraft flying by that's something special if you are on a on a on a let's say normal air show where you also have a lot of jet flying so that's a moment let's say of silence within there and then also the uh, the music um, should support the emotion that you feel so and that's our uh, aim to to offer that to the spectators now you've said that you will review footage from practice displays that's been videoed so obviously when you're flying you don't get to appreciate what the display looks like from the ground apart from a video um are there any parts of the display that you prefer over others or think look better yeah yeah of course that can happen what's also striking sometimes if you have some turbulent air then as you are flying manually of course the leader is looking outside trying to put the formation the right time in the right spot in, in the right formation and all the wingmen holding their position then if you have turbulent air of course that's a continuous process you're always correcting your position normally as a pilot you exactly know or oh, maybe in this um, time of the formation change i was maybe a little bit further away i was too close my angle was maybe a little more soft acute that normally you uh, you experience that and once or once landed you can cross check that on the video and sometimes it's striking that the just if the air uh, if the air is turbulent but it's maybe like steady turbulent then actually you don't see that from the ground it's more like the pilot if you hold we call it the uh, your aircraft in the error box then um, the position looks like uh, um, steadily hold from from ground so if you were to display say in the uk is the display the altitude is it exactly the same as what you would do at home or would you tweak it slightly no normally it's it's exactly the same so we have now a minimum altitude uh, 200 feet for solar pair 300 feet for formation so normally it's the same like we also use the uh, stanac the uh, standard agreement of nato so normally it's 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 really the same they those are synchronized more or less yeah yeah and then it's more maybe you have some specialities that uh, you have maybe on a display side you have an overfly ban uh, because of some reasons so that's just a local speciality step but in terms of uh, minimum altitude it's it's uh, mainly those are the same yeah um i believe it was in 2013 that the team won the king hussein memorial sword at riyadh could you say what that meant to the team that's true, yeah, that meant uh, the world actually for the PC-17 because you're uh, always working very hard for that. And then it was already an honor to go and uh, and uh, represent Switzerland there at the Riyadh. 
and then once or when you have the chance to actually uh, win a trophy like that then uh, it's really you realize that people are uh, they are actually uh, very happy with your display in terms of uh, flight safety but also of attractiveness and uh, that's that was uh, really one of the, the great highlights of the PC-17 in the last years. The, as a pilot or a leader, you have the chance maybe to stand in the, in the spotlight and to take the uh, award. But of course, knowing that uh, also mechanics, logistics, um, a lot of people are working hard that uh, the result can, uh, can actually be as such in the end. Yeah, I was going to say it isn't just the the pilots. There's all the engineers, and as we said, the the crews that have done all the planning for traveling overseas as well. They sometimes do get forgotten, don't they? But it is a big whole team effort. Well, actually, since you, I mean, since you joined the team anyway, but perhaps particularly since becoming team leader, has that given you a greater appreciation for that whole team effort that goes into a, a, a display team? Yeah, I would say maybe you you take even more responsibility because we have like this uh, distribution of tasks that commander is actually the chief once we are on ground, also in terms of planning and stuff. And once the team is airborne, then you have the leader who is in charge. Then, of course, talking of uh, representational work, then we distribute those tasks. But as a leader, um, you have much more um, task or chances also to go and uh, do some presentations for example for a very uh, different kinds of people and I think that's that's also something very uh, it's a great privilege and honor to do that and uh, I, f I fully enjoy to uh, to explain what we're doing always in I would say in a uh, transferred and uh, humble way because we are lucky and have the chance to do uh, what, what we love so a profession that we can actually love but uh, yeah that's that's my feeling about this um, would you say that social media has changed how you and the team interact with your fans yeah definitely definitely I think one of the, the greatest um, differences from once I joined the team 2011 up to now is just the speed of information. Um, it starts with uh, communication within the team, of course, also via maybe uh, some social media or WhatsApp, but also the interaction with uh, the fans. It has become uh, much quicker, um, more direct, and also, of course, gives us more um, possibilities to um, to get or spread some information and footage towards our fans. So that makes it very interesting. We normally also uh, take some onboard cameras with us. We already have had the chance to have like a 360 degrees camera uh, on board. So there you have a video also on YouTube where you can actually um, use your mouse and have a look around within the formation. Yes, that's, that's something I think is very cool, and therefore I think social media is uh, is a good tool for us just to, to uh, yeah to spread some news and uh, just to maybe to to spread it a bit a bit wider. Yeah, I'm I, I actually even more than just using your mouse, but when if you put it on your glasses and you've got one of those 
frames that you can put your mobile phone in and you're looking around it's it's mind-blowing yeah. yeah it's striking yeah yeah that was how i spent my lunch today on youtube so. <laughs> <laughs> on a personal level nine years in the team now what have you got planned for the future how long do you think you'll be staying with the team and indeed with the swiss air force itself um, on the team it's always a decision we say like you can stay as long as you want uh, on the team but of course for myself it's also you have to pick the right moment when the team constellation is uh, is fair to to move and for myself uh, it's just this season unfortunately as we all know, has been shortened quite a bit, so we actually cannot count it as a whole season. So I definitely say 2020 again, and then we will see what happens. And uh, within the Swiss Air Force, um, I'm very uh, happy to uh, fly there and do my tasks. And uh, I think also uh, I had the chance to do some uh, general staff course so there would also a possibility then after my flying career or also at the end of my flying career to do more some office job, office work, maybe in a uh, high command position then um, maybe later. So we've said 2020 has been a complete write-off. Do you hope to pick up 2021 where you left off at the start of this year? Yes, actually... Uh, we hope um, that we can still do at least maybe three to four shows in 2020 and then we um, are hoping that we can uh, restart 2021 with the same constellation with the same team and then uh, yeah we'll see if the team stays together we have to see how it goes with the, uh, the longer um, period of non-flying um, with this place but uh, normally we're we're happy on uh, on exploring then maybe our uh, our display program as well and uh, evaluating or developing it in a in an even more attractive way um one question i had is obviously switzerland is quite a small european country certainly population wise but it still um, flies two full display teams as well as solo displays, and that's all alongside your 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 um, full time jobs in the air force. Is that an indication of how much the Swiss Air Force means to Switzerland? Yeah, it uh, hopefully is. No, um, I would say it's uh, flying on a display team also um, is for a pilot uh, very important because you can actually work on some skills which uh, maybe on a normal basis you cannot train. Let's talk about formation flying in a larger um, formation. Okay. Let's talk about display flying close to the terrain. Um, so those are really uh, competencies which uh, which you can train um, uh, very uh, very properly on a display team. Um, apart from that, how the uh, the, the future, what the future then brings in terms of uh, hopefully a new combat uh, aircraft um, starting for uh, 2030 when we have uh, our F-18s coming to the end of the life cycle, then we will see what happens also in terms of display. But as uh, for the Swiss Air Force uh, on the Swiss Armed Force, I'd say it's definitely very important to have 
this display teams has also some PR um, instruments of being able to show the people what the armed forces are uh, able to do and do some teamwork at the at the precise or uh, defined point and space. And um, you mentioned about obviously replacements for the F-18 and obviously the F-5 at the same time. Do you have a preference for what the replacement might be? Obviously the competition is ongoing. I mean, are you even allowed to say what your, your preference would be? No, I'm uh, really very happy with the process as it uh, goes on for the moment. We will have a voting in uh, end of September and then the process uh, foresees that actually after the uh, referendum of the people, there is just a, the decision about the, uh, the budget and then actually the evaluation process will continue and then there will be decision on what type. But for me, for now, I wasn't uh, part of the evaluation process team, so I cannot uh, tell you any uh, favorite type. Okay, I think that's all we've got time for then now. Uh, Johnny, can you just give some of the listeners an idea of where they can find out more about the Swiss PC-17? So uh, the PC-17 would be very uh, happy if you check out our uh, Facebook site. It's www.facebook.com slash PC-17. You can also find us on Instagram. Um, the latest updates or the latest highlights of 2019 season. We're very uh, looking forward to seeing you at the next air show. We hope it will be very soon. And uh, looking forward to seeing uh, most of you either in this place in Switzerland or then uh, at the UK, I'd say. Let's hope for next season then. Okay. Johnny, thank you very much for joining us. Um, yeah, we hope to see you soon. Absolutely. Thank you, Ian. Okay. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you.